0: everyone and welcome to another exciting edition of words images and worlds delighted on this episode to be talking with author min Lay. min thank you for jumping in joining me today and having some conversation
1: yeah no thank you for for inviting me it's always a pleasure to chat with you
0: yeah yeah always good to talk with you and uh, you and I connected a couple of years ago, as I was saying before I hit record, you were kind enough to have a chat with me for some teaching that I was doing at the time and always glad to share about your work. Uh, I'll say a few titles here at the outset and then we can get into a few questions and sort of follow the conversation wherever wherever you'd like. So um, the first title that I'll mention is Lyft. Because we were talking about pandemic teaching and online teaching just a few minutes ago. And one of the beautiful experiences that I had was crafting some online read aloud, read along kind of teaching with a group of third graders with the book lift. So uh, fantastic book uh, and and great to have books like yours to sort of build that community in person, online or, or whatever it happens to be.
1: Yeah, I don't want to to, jump in because an interesting thing about Lyft is that it came out during the pandemic Um, Mm -hmm. and I had planned on like doing events and all this stuff and all of a sudden that was shut down, um, which is unfortunate. But then an interesting thing that happened with Lyft is that because everyone was on lockdown, we started getting these amazing messages from educators and families saying we can't go anywhere right now. but we've been using Lyft to imagine where we could go if we had a magic elevator button and just, it makes our world feel a little bit less claustrophobic, a little bit less small. So the fact that this book that was written before any of us had heard of COVID was used in such a special way to help families, especially children navigate COVID was such a a interesting turn of events and was a, a blessing in a lot of ways. And then Dan and I posted a, Principal elevator button that anyone with a printer could print out and so we get pictures of kids at home with their elevator buttons taped up to their their closet doors and like telling us where they would go so all of that made the the disappointment of not being able to be out in the world and sharing the book um it made it even more beautiful to see a book being used in a way that none of us could have imagined but in a way that ended up even being even more powerful than um than I could have ever hoped for.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's that's part of the beauty of storytelling. Um, you, uh, I know you as an author, you kind of work and create in a vacuum and then you get to share it and, and you never know exactly how it's going to hit in the world or at what time it's going to hit. So uh, beautiful work there with you and Dan Santat. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Now, was it also Dan that was with you on uh, The Blur? Is that right?
1: Yeah, so we've done... Um... Three books that are out so far, um, Drawn Together, Lift, and The Blur. And then we have a fourth one coming out next summer.
0: Nice, nice. Look, looking forward to that. And um, also love the the use of language in Drawn Together. Love that book. Um, yeah, yeah, and I'll mention, I, I'm a big DC fan from the way back. I started reading DC in the 80s. It was one of those things that connected me with reading outside of school. So I'll also mention that you have Green Lantern Legacy and Green Lantern Alliance with, I think it's Andy Tong mm-hmm. and uh, just some of the best work that I've seen with Green Lantern, just really amazing stuff.
1: Thank you. That, that means a lot. It was such a, it, it's always a pleasure to hear, well it's it's fun to hear from new readers who are using this book as an entry point into comics and into the DC universe, but it's also really gratifying to hear from people who have been in that universe for a long time and have been reading for a long time and that this book um satisfies those experienced readers as well because for me coming into it i mean last year was the 80th anniversary of green lantern and it's yeah. like there's so much history there right and there's a lot of weight to trying to create something new and fresh while still honoring what people love about this character and what people love about this universe so so that means a lot that that you as a someone who knows that world, um the book resonate with you and and fit in with your your understanding of the the characters and and that universe. so so thank you
0: absolutely, yeah, yeah. um and of course, the educator side of me then gets excited about sharing it with a new generation of readers that that might or might not be connected to d c or to these worlds that exist out there that can go, oh oh yeah, this this is what a book can do and um, you can really sort of dive into the pages of a book and see those layers of storytelling. So uh, I really appreciate that.
1: Oh, that, That's great. And th- the hope is that a book like Green Lantern Legacy, especially can, like I said, honor that history there, but also serve as like an entry point, like a primer for like, okay, mm-hmm. you don't have to have that existing knowledge to, to read it. And then it gives you the broad strokes of that universe and like the, the way the the ring works and and the core structure and all that so something that operates both as um a book for new readers and experienced readers it's a it's a tricky balance to, to strike but hopefully we, we got it right
0: yeah yeah i absolutely think so and um you know sometimes you're in a fictional world. And I'm thinking especially about like these large universes that are sometimes part of, especially comics, but also like multi entry fantasy volumes. You almost kind of have to read this wide expanse of material just to sort of know the references. But that story is so unique and on its own, but also kind of linking to the larger world that I I feel like it it works. And actually um, you could even technically read Alliance, I would say before or after legacy oh. so that's a you know really creative balance there that that you struck
1: that's that, that's good to know um since i was writing it sequentially i never thought about or it's hard to imagine like delink my writer brain from it and see how it would land if you're reading that first So i'm glad it, it works that way um a fun thing is that when i was working on the book like i said i wanted to make sure that the, we were told that the character didn't have to be in line with the continuity, right? The, the address that we got from the editors was, it has to be consistent with the nature of the character, but it doesn't have to be consistent with the entire continuity, because that's like, so it kind of exists in its own little bubble. Um, but I wanted it to be as aligned as possible with everything that came before it. So I asked my editor if I could read some of the back matter. So she sent me a box, like, I think two boxes like this big of all the, the podcasts you might be able to hear, but like a big box of all of the Green Lantern issues um going back from the beginning. So I was up late at night reading everything and I had to stop and pinch myself. I'm like, I'm getting paid right now to read comics. This is like the this is the dream. I wish I'd go back and tell like 13-year-old men that he gets to to do this. So yeah, it's it was a lot of fun research to to try to get to know that world as deeply as possible so that you can make those linkages and like subtle hints in there without having to have the book read like a textbook or feel like homework you're just like reading the history right like you want to be able to touch upon it and like um give the flavor of that universe without having to just give like a green lantern 101 lesson for a whole book
0: oh yeah yeah and uh so i'm curious and and this is not on an official list of questions or anything so you're welcome to pass um but i'm just curious if there was uh, a story or a creator or anything from those those two big boxes that you were like this is this is the one or this is like the the series it's it's, i really enjoyed the
1: silver age comics uh Mm -hmm, uh, mm the green lantern because it I had Green Lynch as a character that I knew growing up. I mean, he's part like Hal Jordan, part of the Justice League and John Stewart, but it wasn't a character that really resonated with me at the time as a young reader. I think it was something about the space aspect of it felt so far removed that it just didn't catch on, right? And um, mm-hmm. in the same way, but reading it this time, it was just the fact that it's a combination of it wasn't so much the willpower of Green Lantern that drew me, but the creativity side of it, right? Because as a, as a character, they have to be creative to literally make these constructs They're creating these things. So it's like, it's character who depends on willpower and their imagination. And so the imagination side of things as a writer is what drew me to the character. And then trying to think of like different ways of, using that imagination, different ways of defining willpower, because there's such a, I think there like there's so many Green Lanterns within the Green Lantern core. I was like, reading all of the different ones in the history, I was like, oh, so I don't have to redefine a particular character. Like oh, like write Hal Jordan from a different perspective. I can create new Green Lanterns and slot them into this universe Mm was mm -hmm. a more interesting endeavor for me than trying to repurpose an existing character like there's so it was already built in the sense of community the sense of a multitude of personalities within this universe so it felt like I was adding to instead of um changing that Mm -hmm. that world the the silver age was really fun I know that um the O'Neill and Neil Adams run was really and Neil Adams just passed away this year so it was yeah yeah changed the the game a lot and like the idea of using superheroes to touch upon social issues is one that really landed with me so yeah there's so much richness there there's so much um there's so much depth that you can touch upon there's so much fun stuff you can touch upon. so like for me that universe just represented endless possibility um so that's what drew me to it
0: yeah, that, so quick nod to to the fact that right now a lot of those comics legends that that I I grew up with and I, I, were you a comics reader as a kid? Was that something that?
1: Yeah, yeah, not yeah. not as deep yeah. as some of my friends were, but um, I was definitely into them.
0: Yeah, uh, we're we're just kind of living in this time where like Denny O'Neill passed away in the past year or two. Um, Neil Adams, uh, John Ramita Senior passed away yesterday, so uh, kind of a it's that time of so many of those voices that we knew as as young people, that are that are sort of passing on. Um, but then I also want to make sure that I mention you were talking about the creativity, the constructs, which brings to mind real to me, which is mm. the the more recent work that you've done. And I I want to make sure I get the name right. So if I mispronounce this uh, the illustrator's name, please let me know. Uh, Riza Figueroa or
1: Figueroa
0: uh, Figueroa Figueroa
1: um, Figueroa. And she, she told me when I asked her because I want to get the pronunciation of her name right as well. She said that Risa, as in like Risa Roni, is how she, uh, how she uh-huh, did it. Uh-huh. Like uh, so, um, oh yeah, that that book just came out a few weeks ago. Um, and Risa did such an amazing job with it. it she just it, it's funny because when I i submitted the the manuscript to my editor and this is during the pandemic and we hadn't had we didn't have an illustrator yet attached to it but i was just like on twitter or online just like scrolling as one does when <laughs> you can't sleep and i stumbled mm-hmm. upon her portfolio and i was just got lost in it, it was like just like every single image was so evocative there's so much personality so much color and just like burst off the screen and um so I sent out a tweet just saying, I just stumbled upon Rice's portfolio. Um, I live here now. It's, like, it's just like something like that. Just like, um, and the next day or like the next week, my editor emailed me and she's like, It's really funny that you did that because she's on a short list that we were considering we're going to um share with you for for real to me. And I was like, She would be perfect. I would love to see what she could do with this. So so that that is that is a clear case of um the few times where Twitter was a positive influence on my day, as opposed to just drain draining the, the energy. Um so so yeah, and she lives close by, she lives about an hour away from me here in San Diego. So we got to meet up a couple of times. It was during the pandemic. So we met up at a park, sat at opposite ends of a picnic table with masks on, but got mm-hmm. to got to meet up and and she She's just a uh, wonderful talent and just a great, great partner to work with.
0: That's that's great because I know, you know, sometimes you create something and you sort of put it out there. And from what I've heard from other collaborations, like you might not get to meet the person, you might not get to talk about things. But but great that you all connected again, uh, a positive use of social media, which I'm all about. Uh, but then also great that you all could um, both of you could talk and kind of process and get to know each other through that as well. Yeah,
1: we didn't really talk about the project per se in depth, because I want to give her as much space to work with the manuscript and bring her own storytelling and style to it and her own interpretation. Um, Every manuscript that I submit is very light and very loose with and intentionally loose to kind of because you're not sitting with the illustrator and like you're not working side by side when you're doing a, a picture book. I mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. bake in space for collaboration by leaving a lot of room for interpretation for the illustrator. So that's how I work. And so to honor that process, giving them as much free reign as possible is just like worth their magic is, is how I think it, it makes for the best final product because all these illustrators that I've been lucky enough to work with are just amazing storytellers in their own right. So as a writer, it's in my best interest to let them bring that talent and energy to the book. Um, And if I tried to control things too much, I feel like I would be shooting myself in the foot as far as like what this book could be. And I would be limiting the potential of the book because that's what I love about picture books. It's that collaboration. Mm -hmm. You get energy and you get a level of storytelling that either of us working solo might not reach, right? So it's, it's such a wonderful space to be, to be working
0: in. Love that. Love that. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate both layers of that, that combine so well. So I appreciate the story that you bring to the books that you do, but then uh, from Risa to Andy Tong to Dan Santat, there's always uh, this lovely visual compliment uh, or, or not compliment, but weaving in that comes in as part of the story that uh, just works so well in the books that you do. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It's funny because as a
1: writer, I feel like it's a strange thing. I'm a writer who <clears throat> values illustration over words. <laughs> so even though I'm in charge of the the words part of it, I'm trying to. I think of the words in a picture book as subservient to the illustrations, almost secondary to the illustrations. And so I kind of feel like my job is to come with the the concept to share with the. The illustrator and then the words are merely or not merely but they're there to to bolster the illustration or work with the illustrations but not the other way around right uh, so I almost feel like I'm backing my way into the text to see how to serve the story which is primarily told through the pictures if that makes sense mm-hmm.
0: it's like almost like a chain of inspiration like you're mm-hmm creating that spark and then someone else gets to take it and nourish it to the next level
1: yeah yeah one of the there's so many different analogies i use for writing and illustrating but it's almost like a um like a relay race like i run the first lap and then i hand it off to the illustrator they might run the next they might run the next three laps (laughs) as far as like the the work distribution but um but yeah, it, it's the collaboration part of it is the is the fun part. And the great thing is like when I went in and hand a manuscript, I have no idea what it's gonna look like. Because mm-hmm. and I have I describe it almost like um waking up from a dream and you get because I think very visually when I'm writing, right? But I just don't have the talent to to illustrate myself or haven't developed the talent or the skill to to do that. So but I write visually. So I think of it almost like you wake up from a dream and you have like the vague kind of cloudy images from that whatever that dream was but it's not well defined it's not so then I kind of write with loose images in my head but then I remove them and let the the illustrator take it so my job is to write in a way that gives as much Space and room for the little share it to play with as possible, um, mm-hmm. um, almost like just giving them a prompt that will unlock something in their own storytelling. So, and it's it's worked out so far because I the every the way I was describe is like every book that I've been lucky enough to work on has turned out more beautiful and wonderful than I could have possibly imagined. But it's always exactly the book I had in mind, right? Even if I couldn't have pictured what it would actually end up looking like it's still the book it's still the story that I was hoping to put out in the world so that's the 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 beauty of working with such talented
0: creators love that love that yeah and so so on the reader side um what what do you hope that young readers I'm thinking especially about young readers but uh, as I mentioned I'm also a big fan of the work that you do and I'm not technically young anymore my students would probably say not young uh what what is it that you hope readers (laughs) take away from experiencing your books
1: well I mean first of all to to get to the age issue when um when people ask me what age picture books are these picture books are for I always somewhat facetiously say birth to death because I'm like (laughs) everyone can enjoy a a picture book is a a vehicle for storytelling and anyone can can appreciate and that's what I love about picture books like it's it has such a broad range and swath of audience right um absolutely and I, I never think you're though at the same time when I talk to creators especially aspiring people aspiring to publish um what I tell them is that a picture a great picture book can appeal to readers of any age but for a picture book to be great it has to appeal to children. Like you can't forget that primary audience. um And not that that doesn't mean that there are books that are maybe a little bit more geared towards the older audience. For example, the blur. A lot of times people say, "Well, that's more for parents, like graduation." um But Dan and I read it to a group of uh, elementary school of kids, and when we turned the page to the child becoming the blur, the whole gymnasium full of kindergarten started cheering and like got so it's like so even if there's a a broad range of ages in your target group there has to be something there for a young audience to to sink their teeth into and, and to enjoy so I always try to maintain that balance when thinking about writing but to get to your question about like what I hope readers will get from it um it's funny I was in Vietnam recently and a librarian there said we just read all of your books And um, the one through line for all of them is this idea of connection, right? Uh, Connecting with the, whether it's like with the people in your community, within your family, within yourself, through your artwork. Um, Another I've been assigned to is like, every book you've done is about um, the importance of creativity and books and the power of family and community. And for me, I'm like, if those are the themes that people are getting from these stories, then I'll, I'll die a, a happy author. Um, yeah. because that theme of connection is something that is what drew me to, to writing. And I always tell people that as a kid, I was debilitatingly shy, like super shy. I was like terrified of talking to, to grownups to, to anybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you always found, um, safety in a book. You could always, I could always connect, with myself by reading a book, right? And like you connect with the characters in there. So what I tell kids when I talk to them is like, as a young, as a reader, books were my escape from the world. Um, but now as a writer, books have become my way back into the world because putting these stories out allows me to connect with kids everywhere, connect with like people like you, just like talking about the power of stories. It's my way of now connecting with so many people. Whereas before it was my way of kind of like, disengaging or like, finding like escaping. Fine, right. Fine. Um, so for me, the magic of books is their ability to connect people across time and space and all of that. And, um, so the fact that connection is a through line for all these stories is something that's meaningful to me. And if not intentional, makes sense that, that, that would be kind of like the underlying, um, theme to to everything that I put out there if that makes sense
0: absolutely and so powerful and as I mentioned it at the beginning um you know I'm an educator and so I enjoy walking into classrooms but having books like the, the one that I mentioned first was lift having books like that that allow for those connections where you know an author's voice can come into that space and uh, Dan Santat's visual voice can come into that space, and all of a sudden, we're, we're I'm asking questions, and we're creating something new. Um, it's it's a really beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to be able to to share in, um, and and it takes the the author, it takes the audience, and and so it's a it's a great collaboration and connection.
1: Oh, thank you. And I, I think something, especially with a book like Lyft, the hope is that a book the impact of a book ripples out right so like the when i talk about books as a connection um that's also connecting you to the reader to the sense of possibilities with your imagination right so the for a book like lift it's like it's hopefully introducing the idea of like where you could go if you had your own elevator button like what the like the the fact that through the power of a book and your own imagination you can go anywhere right so when kids write to us and share, like where they would go, and teachers will like put up an elevator button or something in the room, then all the kids will write about the adventures they go on. For me, that's where the it it's such an honor to be a part of that process because you're putting a book out there that is just opening a door to the kids' own adventures, right? And their their own sense of navigating the world with a sense of possibility um, is such a beautiful thing to, to see in action. So for educators like you to use these books in that way, to start those conversations, to engage kids in a way that opens up the, the world to them is, is something that I'll always be grateful for. And when I, when I talk to educators like you, I'm like, there's so many, you go to the library, the books, are, there's so many books to choose from, right? So anytime an educator has chosen to, to use a book that we've worked on, to to start that conversation to engage with kids in that way is is something I don't take for granted so so thank you
0: oh absolutely absolutely and um there's a joy in the curation of that to to read first for yourself and then I love it when I find a book and even a particular page or set of pages and I go oh I've got to share this with um, this class or this colleague or whatever it happens to be there's great joy in that think
1: well, i I can feel that from from this end, and I I can I can speak on behalf of like all authors and literature that we appreciate the that that other side of things because we wouldn't have a profession without without you all helping to get these books out there.
0: it is a it is a good collaboration. It is a joy. um so as we're as we're coming to the last couple of minutes that we have together, I'm going to mention real to me one more time, but I also like to. Um, craft space to give you the chance to talk about upcoming events. You mentioned um, you have another collaboration with Dan Santat out, I think you said 2024 next summer, maybe. Um, so so anything like that that you want to share to sort of leave readers and listeners with?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. I'll start with Real to Me since you you brought that up as well. We talked about not knowing what a book is going to mean to people when you're working on it right and part of for me it's like writing a story that in order to create a dialogue with the reader you want to leave room for interpretation right so for a book like real to me about an imaginary friend and what happens when an imaginary friend goes away when I first saw it was like mostly focused on like there's a twist in the story that I was really focused on trying to to play with and so it was a kind of a playful story with a slightly melancholy undertone. But then readers are coming to it from so many different perspectives, including some that are very touching upon deep senses of loss and how to deal with like actual loss. And something that I wasn't expecting, we, my family, we lost a really good friend of ours this past year. And when I was working on the promotional materials for this book, all of a sudden this book about an imaginary friend that disappears took on a, such a different Light, right? That sense of so this book became a good case study in the fact that as an author, you put a book out there, you have no idea how it's going to be interpreted, how it's going to be read, how it's going to be received, and the hope is that it is done in a way that, even if it's a hard conversation or if it's a fun conversation, that it's still engaging in a way that is positive, even if it it can stir up some complicated emotions um and so that so far that seems to be the case and it's um but it's been really wonderful to see that book out there as far as what's coming next <clears throat> like i said dan and i have a fourth collaboration coming out next summer and it's called built to last and Dan dubbed the term uh, Mintat book, which I which I love. So this is the fourth Mintat book. and oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> the, the first three I thought of as kind of like a loose trilogy, even though it's not the same characters, I think of them as kind of all in conversation with each other. So mm-hmm. if Drawn Together is about kids and their grandparents, Lift is about siblings, and The Blur is about kids and parents, this fourth one is focusing more on friendships. And so it's called Built to Last... And it's about two kids who meet when they're very young and they um, they l- create a friendship based on a mutual love of like building things together and using their imaginations. But everything that they build inevitably comes tumbling down in like spectacular fashion. So like they're building a, a tower of blocks, and it, it just crashes and like, and it's only when, and as those, as those disasters pile up and get bigger and bigger, there reaches a, a tension point where they they're about to give up and just walk away from each other, friendship over. Um, but that's when they come to realize that the thing that was built to last, the thing that is enduring, isn't all the creations that they're making. It was their their friendship that they were building together. Um so oh funny thing about that is that Dan starts sharing some initial sketches online and he took a very loose manuscript and he made the two characters, a baby Min and a baby Dan. <laughs> I was um, gonna
0: say there, there's a friendship there that we've <laughs> yeah.
1: but, but which the funny thing about that is like I wonder if people are going to read that and be like, okay, so what was the big drama that Min and Dan had along the way? <laughs> which was which never happened. Um, but it'll be interesting to see uh, how that plays out. But again, like he took this very loose idea about friendships and and all that and just built this amazing world around it. so'm I'm, I'm excited to to have that out in the world. And then before then, um, in the fall, I have another graphic novel coming out, and it's not uh, Green Lantern or DC Comics related one. This one's coming out from Little Brown. Um, they have a the new graphic novel imprint called LB Inc. So this is part of their like inaugural cohort of books, and it's called Enlighten Me. And Yes,
0: they... I've seen that. I requested it on that galley like a couple of days ago, I think. So oh, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I'm really excited for this one. This one, so every now and then as a, a creator you get an idea and it just sticks in your head and uh. for many many years i had the idea like i would love to write or figure out how to write a story that takes place at a silent meditation retreat like just like the idea of crafting a story where people aren't allowed to talk to each other was a fun puzzle um at first i thought it was like oh maybe it will be like a grown up like an adult book and it will be like a murder mystery that takes place at a silent meditation retreat and they're trying to like figure out who the killer is um, at this place but I decided to go some a different route and this one is a pseudo like memoir style graphic novel about a kid who goes to a silent meditation retreat with his family and he's dealing with some issues at school including some bullying and at the meditation retreat he's trying to trying to meditate but is unable to do it so his imagination just kind of wanders off and he he misses his game boy this takes place in the 90s so he's He's imagining all these like video game style um, daydreams. And then at some point there's a Buddhist nun there who takes all the kids aside. And even though the kids aren't allowed to talk, they she tells them stories um, to teach them about Buddhism. And some of the stories she shares with them are called the Jataka tales, which are the stories of the Buddha's past lives. And they're kind of like, these, like parables that show him on his path to becoming enlightened. And so as the main character is listening to these stories he imagines himself in each of them as a different character and kind of like lives in that the world of that story and eventually comes to kind of like grapple with his own issues through that and find his way back to his family and community um, and that's where the idea of the retreat comes in it's like because the other meaning of retreat for him is like with all these issues going on there's a very real um, possibility that he's going to retreat from his family or retreat from everyone and just kind of like wall himself off, which for me as a young boy was a very definite possibility and something that I did a lot of times. I just didn't want to talk to anyone. Just let me deal with my own stuff. Um, so so yeah, that one comes out in the fall and I'm really excited for for that one. And yeah, I'm just grateful. When I started this writing journey, my hope was just to get one book out in the world and then I would have um, made it so the fact that I get to keep doing this and be a part of this world is just such a special um, treat and a dream come true for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, um, as is always the case, when I find a book and an author that I love, it's always great when there are unfolding worlds and more books to come. So so glad to share about the books that have already been out, as well as the books to look forward to.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, again, thank you for for inviting me to, to chat today. It's always a pleasure. I hope we get to see each other in person at some point soon
0: yes yeah that would that would be great i think i might be at ncte at some point uh in the future so i'll uh, I'll be there so hopefully
1: we'll, we'll get to hang out
0: yeah yeah that would be great that would be great all right well well thank you again and always such a pleasure same here thank you
1: for for having me and um till next time